we started a new series last week called Lift, and we're just talking about uh, the power of encouragement and the spiritual ministry of encouragement. Now, Robert Schuller used to tell a story about a banker who would always toss a coin in the cup of a beggar who had no legs just outside of a big building he would go in for business every day. Uh, but as he would flip the coin in the cup, he would always look at him and say, you're a merchant. And then he would say, and I always expect to receive good value from the merchants I do business with. And he would take one of the pencils the beggar had uh, out beside him. And so time went by, and one day the legless man wasn't on the sidewalk anymore. Time passed, the banker forgot about him until he walked into a public building months later, and there in a concession stand was the former beggar. He was obviously the owner of his own small business, and he said to the banker when he went by, I always hoped I would run into you again. You're largely responsible for me being here. You kept telling me that I was a merchant, and so finally I started to think about myself as a merchant and not as a beggar. And I started to sell pencils, and I sold a lot of pencils, and I sold so many pencils, I was able to start my own business here. You gave me self-respect, and you caused me to look at myself differently. This banker had the ability to lift this beggar up. That explains the heart of the entire series that we're in right now. In the Bible, the word encouragement means to come alongside someone, to strengthen them, or to anchor them. So last week we talked about how God has lifted each one of us up. He's lifted us up because he loves us unconditionally. He lift, lifts us up because he's promised to never leave us. He lifts us up because he reminds us over and over that God is for us. He's not against us. So God has lifted us up. Today I want to share for a few minutes how can we lift others up. Now, before we get there, how many of you uh, have ever had a nickname? Oh, oh this will be fun. Good. Now, you may not be able to say it in public. Just saying. Not sure how far it goes back. However, if you can tell someone else your nickname, what I want you to do is lean over to the person next to you and tell them your nickname or one of your nicknames. Just go ahead. Just tell them. Just tell them what it is. <laughs> yeah, some of you are getting real close. You're whispering. Can't really say this out loud too much. So you, so you have a nickname. I, I have a habit of giving people nicknames. I don't, know, I don't know where it started. But when my wife and I left our youth ministry in Florida, before, the night we left, there were maybe 200, 200 kids there. And I asked, hey, if I've ever called you by something other than your real name, would you please stand? It was almost the whole room. It's like whatever happens to come out, you know, that's sort of how it works. So uh, there was this kid on the football team a couple years ago I called Big Mac because he could pound down cheeseburgers like nobody I ever knew. And to me, he was Big Mac. I don't even remember his real name. He was Big Mac. There, there was a, a girl in our student ministry last year uh, named Megan who had this giant personality, so I called her Megalodon because she had this big personality, so she was Megalodon to me. And I remember my dad, he used to work on the Mississippi River, and he worked on a boat there. And you know, those guys out there all have nicknames. And I remember hearing him talk about this guy named Dogman, and I, I never got the backstory. I don't know if he owned a kennel. I don't know if he had a lot of dogs. I don't know if he lived on a farm. You don't really know. But usually a nickname picks up on a major characteristic and, and, and grabs it in a name, and then it sticks. Now, this happened to a man in the Bible named Joseph. His name was Joseph, but his nickname was Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. 
son of encouragement. So I want to try to help you capture today who this person Barnabas really was by kind of giving you some, some nicknames or some titles. He was the son of encouragement. He was the brother from another mother. He was the father of lift. He was the king of kindness. Now, you got to say that with me because it's too good. Are you ready? He was, are you ready? All right. He was the son of encouragement. He was the brother from another mother. He was the father of lift. The king of kindness. You already feel better, don't you? Just saying goofy stuff like that makes you feel good. So from his life, we get an idea what encouragement is like. Now, let me give you the background of this scripture before we kind of unpack. We're going to look at Barnabas' life and how do we lift other people by seeing the way he lifted other people. So let me give you the background. There was this man named Saul who was very religious, but he didn't follow Jesus, uh, and, and, he, and he didn't believe in Jesus. He, he did believe, though, that the people who followed Jesus were wrong and in fact, so wrong, they ought to be persecuted and imprisoned and harassed. And by the way, he oversaw the church's first martyr. The first Christian who was killed because he was a Christian, this guy Saul oversaw that. But by a miracle, God appears to Saul in a vision. He changes his life. He even changed his name from Saul to Paul. And, and now Paul, who found Jesus and is following Jesus and whole life has gotten changed. He's on his way to Jerusalem, the city, to meet other Christians. But he has a really, really, really big problem. His big problem is he has a bad reputation among Christians because he's persecuted them so heavily. Now, can you imagine the questions that went through his mind as he got close to the city? What are they going to say when I walk in the door? But you never thought I would come. I've never seen these people before. How could they accept me? How could they possibly trust me after all I've done? How could I prove to them I'm really one of them? We can only guess the complicated emotions that Paul must have felt as he was meeting the Christians for the first time, not as a persecutor, but as a brother and as a friend. Now, Acts 9, 26 and 27 tells us a little bit about what happened in that moment. When he came to Jerusalem, talking about Paul, he tried. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Not believing that he really was a disciple. So there was fear and there was distrust. They didn't believe he was really a Christian, and they were afraid of him. But Barnabas, son of encouragement, took him in and brought him to the apostles. So Paul was in a jam. He needed a friend. Fortunately, God had already prepared the son of encouragement, the brother from another mother, the father of lift, the king of kindness. God had already put him in that moment. So Barnabas stepped into Paul's life and strengthened him and anchored him, and he added strength to them. Now, from Barnabas's life, I want to give you uh, four ways this morning that you and I can lift other people up. So the question is, do you tear people down or do you lift them up? Do you leave them better than you found them? Do you strengthen people or do you weaken people? Barnabas was a person who strengthened people. Let me give you four ways he did it. Here's the first one. See the value and potential in people, not the negatives. Every human on earth has value. Every human on earth has potential. And every human on earth has negatives. All of us. 
The question is, when you look at people, what are you going to focus on? It would have been very easy to look at Paul the Apostle's present circumstances and write them off. This could be a trap. He could be lying. He could be telling us that he's one of us so that he could infiltrate this fledgling little church. He could get on the inside. He could imprison all of us or kill all of us. How did they know? Nobody knows. It was risky to trust someone like him. But Barnabas may have looked at him and said, this guy is so crazy. He's so zealous. Just imagine what he would be like if he was working for God. Imagine what he would be like if he was following Jesus. Somehow Barnabas had the ability to look at him and not see his negatives, but see his value and see his potential. When, when Stacy and I were youth pastoring in Florida, there was uh, this young couple in our youth ministry that helped out. Uh, their names were William and Crystal. When we met Crystal, she was 19, pregnant, and single. And for her to come back to the church, and, and as they met and dated, and for them as a couple to come back to the church, it was they went through a lot of tough times. It was very... It was a lot of tough times. It was painful. They had a rough start in life. Can you imagine how difficult it was and the circumstances they were in? I remember once my, my wife was reaching out to Crystal and saying something to her about uh, something she had thought about her that week. And uh, Crystal had never had very much encouragement in her life. And she said, wait a minute. You think about me during the week? I'll never forget that. You think about me during the She said, well, yes. And my wife, among others, became a source of encouragement and strength to Crystal. And so as Crystal and William uh, realigned their life with Christ, they uh, uh, became leaders in our youth ministry. They became the leaders of our youth worship team. And then they became full-time staff, worship leaders at that church. And then they now they live in Texas, and they are... Uh, worship leaders at a multi-site church, and Crystal's singing career has taken off. She won a competition called Texas Showdown. She was first place. Now, I never heard of it, but it must be a big deal. The prize is $100,000. And so here this 19-year-old single pregnant girl, beat down by life, flourishes, and this couple has made a huge impact on so many people. Because somebody lifted them up. You, you can be more with encouragement than you can be by yourself. More often than not, though, we make people out to be what we believe they are. If we think the worst in people, then we will see the bad in them. But if we insist on believing in people, we'll usually compel them to justify our belief. No, come on. You can do it. You're better than that. You're stronger than that. You have talent. You have value. You have something to offer. You have something to give. When we encourage, we generally compel them to justify what we believe about them. Sometimes we get this idea, I don't know why, that it's our job to deflate people's dreams in order to protect them from discouragement. As Christians, it's not our job to destroy everybody's dream to make them more practical or realistic. I can tell you whose job it is. Life will make you reasonable. The IRS will make you practical. 
The doctor will adjust your lifestyle. Disappointment will teach you not to jump out of planes without parachutes. Failure will tell you to take a different path. Nearly everything in our life surrounding us is pressing on us to limit us and shrink us. My question is, what lifts us up? That is the church's job. That is your job. That is what you and I are called to do. We are called to come alongside, strengthen, and anchor. That's what we're called to do. Look past the negatives, see the value and the potential in people. Here's the second one. Let go of the past. Now, let's just be honest about something. The easiest thing on earth to do is to bring somebody's past up to them or tell them, I told you so. That's the easiest thing to do. Like it takes major effort not to do that. And let's just be honest here. Paul the apostle had stood over the death of the first Christian in world history. So it would be very easy (laughs) to remember that. He had arrested and persecuted Christians with such intensity, we could at least build a good case for caution. Now, I'm not saying don't use wisdom. You have to use wisdom. But I'm saying you and I do not have the authority in Christ to ever adopt the attitude to just write someone off. They've never been any good, and they're never going to be any good, and that's just the way it is. You and I don't have the authority to do that. To lift people up, we have to be willing to let their past go. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves in the position of measuring out how much encouragement a person deserves based on how good or bad they've been. We don't have that authority. How much encouragement do you deserve? As much as I can give you. That's how much. Barnabas actually believed this so much, it caused a deep disagreement between he and Paul the Apostle later. Years later, uh, there was a young apprentice of Paul's named John Mark who traveled on missionary journeys with him. Missionary journeys were oftentimes dangerous, but, but uh, later on, uh, John, Mark, John Mark abandoned them right in the middle of one of the big trips they were on. Paul needed him. Paul depended on him. But I don't know if he got scared. I don't know if his belly hurt. I don't know if he didn't feel good. I don't know if he wanted a sick day. I don't know what happened. But he left. And later on, changed his mind, decided he wanted to rejoin Paul and Barnabas. And Paul said, you will not. This is, this is for real work. You left, and you're not coming back. And Barnabas said... Paul, you have to lift him up. You have to accept him. And they never agreed. And their disagreement was so strong that Barnabas took John Mark and went one way, and Paul went the other way. They never did agree about it. Now, something good must have come of it because years later, John Mark wrote a book you might have heard of, The Gospel According to Mark. So somehow Barnabas must have gotten through to Mark in some way. Here's the third thing we see in Barnabas' life. Strengthen God's work in others. When you see God working in someone else, I, I, I can't describe how big a deal this is. When you, when you have the ability, when you have the discernment, when you have the wisdom and insight to see the work of God on someone else's life, that is a big deal and there's a reason that you see it. God let you see it for a reason. 
When you see it, reach out and strengthen it. Tell them you see it. Confirm that you see it in them. Encourage them to continue in it. When Stephen, the first church martyr, was killed and the persecution got so intense, some Christians moved away, uh, far away from that hub of persecution, all the way to a city called Antioch. And as they moved, they would tell people about how they could have a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says, as they went to Antioch, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people turned to God. And so, uh, in, in Acts eleven twenty two, the Bible tells us the church is trying to figure out, okay, these Christians have, have, have fled because of persecution, and they continue to tell other people about how to have a relationship with Jesus, and people are listening and receiving, and the Lord's hand has moved and turned all these people. Now, what are we going to do? Well, in Acts eleven twenty two, it tells us what they did. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to, who do you think they'd send? Who else would they send? Send the lifter. Send the encourager. Send the son of encouragement. He is the right one in this moment. So, so they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he saw the work of God in somebody else's life. And when he recognized God's work in somebody else's life, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He saw the work of God in someone else's life, and he reached out to strengthen them, to come alongside them, and to anchor them. When Barnabas saw the growing faith, you know, it's rare that a person takes genuine pleasure in another person's growth. It's rare. But it is what encouragers always do. The church sent Barnabas because they knew he would be the best person to be in this moment with these young believers. They needed encouragement. I remember the, um, early on in our ministry, we had the opportunity to serve alongside another pastor who was older and had been in ministry a long time. And he taught me so much about how to deal with people. He taught me where to stand at a funeral. <laughs> they don't teach you that in Bible school. You just own your own. Go work it out. He taught me about faith in general. And he would sometimes write these series, teachings, books. He'd write a 100-page book, just crank it off, on grace or faith or spiritual warfare or something. And I remember him several times saying, hey, I got this new study, event, and I want you to teach it. I want you to go into my Sunday school class for two months, and I want you to teach it. And, and I thought, oh, he's got something else to do. Except I would go to the class, and he would sit on the front row and listen to me teach. And I thought, what are we doing? What, what, what is this? Is he trapping me? I mean, what does he want? But the more I got to know him, the more I realized what he was doing. He loved to put me in situations where I would grow. He would set me up so much that I could hardly fail unless I worked really hard at it. And he loved to put me in situations so that I would grow. And I wondered why he took so much interest in me. But the more I got to know him, the more I realized it wasn't anything in me that prompted his actions. It was everything in him. He treated a lot of people that way. Because he was a true encourager. 
But what prompted that specific action is he saw the work of God in my life and he came alongside to strengthen me and to encourage me. Here's the last one. Be content without recognition. You know one of the most fascinating uh, facts to me about Barnabas's life is we don't have one recorded word. Here, I'm going to quote Barnabas. There's nothing to quote because we don't know anything he ever said. The son of encouragement doesn't have one verse or one word in one verse that came from him in the entire New Testament. Now that's so fascinating to me, yet his ministry lives on. It lives on in John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. It lives on in Paul the Apostle. It lives on in the pages of the New Testament. It lives on in the church at Antioch. Barnabas had a major impact on two New Testament writers. Reminds me a lot of my, my own mom. My, my mother... Uh, was a person who has always stood firmly behind the scenes and was content to be there. She's always been a constant source of encouragement in my life in small ways, in big ways, in thoughtful ways. I can honestly say she has never... I have no memory in my life of one discouraging thing she's ever said to me. I don't have one memory... I thought about it all week. I thought there's got to be one. I couldn't remember one. She's been a constant source of encouragement. The church will always have people who want to be Paul the Apostle. My question for you is, will you be a Barnabas? Because somebody has to make the Paul the Apostles. Somebody has to build them. Somebody has to strengthen them. Somebody has to anchor them or they'll not be Paul the Apostle. Just think if there was no Barnabas. Maybe the church would have never received Paul. Maybe the church would have never partnered with him, accepted his ministry, listened to his words. Half the New Testament was written by Paul. What would have happened had someone not moved alongside Paul to strengthen him and anchor him? But because of a man named Barnabas who we don't really know that much about and we don't know any words that he said and we don't really study him very much. Because of Barnabas, we have Saul and Paul. And so I want to encourage you this morning to be Barnabas. This weekend, there was a funeral um, for a man in our church who passed away who most of you probably don't know his name. His name was Raymond Elliott. Raymond Elliott served in the military. Raymond Elliott served, uh, worked in the coal mine for 30 years. Uh, Raymond Elliott was an usher. If you maybe have shaken his hand when he came in and maybe didn't know who he was. Raymond Elliott was a good husband. He was a good father. He loved his wife. He loved God. He was a good man. He was a good man, faithful man, steady. Always the same. Consistent with his love and faithfulness. And, and he was just a little while 
short of being married for 60 years. And I was uh, at the viewing Friday night and I saw his wife, Billy, and I saw her sitting in the chair up by the casket. And I was thinking, I wonder, I wonder what she's feeling. 60 years of life shared with this incredible guy how blessed she was wonder what she's feeling in the in his loss and i watched what really grabbed my heart as i watched so many of you walk up and wait in line kneel down in front of her hug her hold her hand say specific words of encouragement love her just take some of the pain and loss away and, and it looked so much to me like a Barnabas moment where someone came along and came alongside her, strengthened her, and anchored her when one of the great storms of life had blown through her house. And it just, you know, blessed me. Not because of the loss, but because of the ministry of encouragement and the lifting that you did and I watched her sit for maybe an hour and receive and smile and hug and cry and some of you would say a word of encouragement some of you would pray with her and I just watched how that all works and so I want to encourage you this Thanksgiving season to be an encourager our country has experienced so much division and pain, separation and, and intensity. I want to encourage you, Thanksgiving such a good time to think about this. To write a letter, to send an email, to send a text, to reach out and touch somebody. Do you ever have those moments where you think of something encouraging to say? but you don't say it, and you say, I wish I'd have said that. Can I encourage you to say that? Can I encourage you to do that when that thought comes, to follow it? Can I encourage you when you see God's work in somebody else to tell them, hey, I see God doing this in your life? It's, it's my dream that Kingwood Church would be, wherever Kingwood Church people go in Shelby County, that we would be the first ones that would step across walls and lines of disagreement that Kingwood Church Republicans would reach out to Democrats and Kingwood Church Democrats would reach out to Republicans and that people of other races would step across Kingwood Church people that are white or black or Hispanic would be the first ones in the room to welcome the person not like them you have so much power to lift people up. And that's why the enemy fights so hard. Because Jesus came to give life and give life abundantly. And when you reach out and strengthen and lift and receive and welcome and love and accept, it tears down the, the enemy's work of death. And life wins. And so I want to encourage you. Move a little slower. Let somebody else go in line in front of you. 
Be the difference. Just be the difference. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask our prayer team to come, and we're going to end very simply this morning. I really think the big response to today's message is going to be lived out there. I really do. But there are those of you this morning who need to be lifted because you are struggling or maybe the holidays is a season you're facing trouble and you need to be lifted and today we want to lift you up so our prayer team is here today to pray with you and lift you but we're going to sing this song the same song we sang last week we'll sing it one time through and we'll dismiss but I want you to take a moment and, and worship with us and sing with us and think about the words of this song I know that God is for me I know that he will never leave me and our prayer team is here if you need prayer I want to ask you as we sing this to come Lord thank you today for your grace I thank you today for your goodness and mercy I thank you today that love wins and I thank you today that you have lifted us up so much that we can lift up others we praise you today for your work that we see in each other and in our own life. And today we celebrate your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing this with us. And if you need prayer today, won't you come now? Come and let us pray with you. Pray health and life and strength, ministry.